0: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Mary rice Hassan. Mary is the Kate O'Byrne Senior Fellow at the Ethics Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C., where she co-founded and directed the Person and Identity Project an initiative that educates and equips parents and faith-based institutions to promote the truth about the human person and counter-gender ideology. She's also an attorney, speaker, author, and you may have heard her book that she co-authored with Teresa Farron, Get Out Now. Mary, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. Wonderful to be on with you.
0: Well, you know, when you just sit back and look at the assault not only just on family and marriage, but particularly children, you know, and it starts with, you know, it started with contraception, abortion, but mm-hmm. when you just sit back and just see that children are under assault before they're even conceived sometimes, right? They're trying to keep it from being mm-hmm. conceived and it doesn't stop until after they're born, does it?
1: No, and you know you're right to draw a connection between some of the things we're seeing in the culture today and contraception, because I think that's where a lot of confusion set in, and we shifted we as a culture, shifted our priorities, and uh, sex became about personal pleasure and no longer about relationships and marriage and and welcoming children, and that attitude has really not just continued, but permeated so much of our culture in ways is tremendously damaging to children.
0: Well, when you look at it, we really, the way ch- the way children are viewed to now is almost like a commodity, right? We're going to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what kind of child we have, we have so-called same-sex couples, you know, hiring surrogates and picking out what kind of traits they want their kids to have, mm-hmm. there really is no regard for children, right? It's, well, they're they're adaptive, they'll, they'll make do, they'll be fine. It's all about my pleasure and getting what I want. And when I don't want it, then we'll just kill them, you know, whether it's infanticide because the abortion didn't take or whatever it is. We really don't even view them as human people the way we act, do we?
1: Yeah, You know, in in many respects, I I think one of the things we're seeing is um, children, because we've lost that connection between sex and and procreation. As a culture, we've spent 50, 60 years trying to forget that sex has something to do with making babies and and, uh, procreation, just that beautiful gift of life. But as a result of that, I, I think we already have this ingrained attitude that a child is only to be welcomed if it somehow if the child somehow enhances the parents' lives as opposed to what the church emphasizes so beautifully that every life has to be welcomed and cherished as a gift and just you know a unique and unrepeatable person who will live forever and that that's it's a tremendous privilege to be able to participate in that and to welcome a child to our family but that that's no longer the attitude of the culture it's very much uh, an attitude that evaluates not just whether to have a child, but even when when they are pregnant or even after a child's born, whether this child is sort of worth the adult's uh, time and investment. In other words, is the adult getting something out of this? Is this, I mean, is this measuring up to, to what they wanted instead of just this unconditional love? I, and I have to think this is one reason why we're seeing so much uh, mental illness and, and anguish in our young people I mean there are complicated reasons for that but I think that's part of it they're they're loved in very conditional ways
0: well and that's and that's the unfortunate piece they are the gifts that you just mentioned and I always just imagine ourselves you know, at the end when at our particular judgment the Lord said I gave you these children as a gift what did you do yeah. right you don't even know who I am and look at what, how you treated them I mean I just mm-hmm. can't Imagine people doing what they're doing when it comes to this gender ideology, right? The drag queen story, mm-hmm. the You know, you can even look at, you know, the Jeffrey Epstein and the human trafficking, uh, sex trafficking. They mm-hmm. place high level officials and entertainment people that, you know, they don't even mm-hmm. discuss their names. But it almost gets swept under the rug because we really have almost every aspect of society buying into this view of what children are and what they aren't.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And along with that is it, in one of the um, the consequences of the sexual revolution that unfortunately has had very serious staying power is this idea that we as adults get to choose uh, whatever we want to do with our body, whatever we want to do to, to bring pleasure. And, and so there's a, a, an inherent selfishness in that, but it also leads to a society that becomes very calloused in terms of sexuality and very unwilling or even unable to protect the sensitivity and, and innocence of children as they're growing up. So we have this tremendous pressure through the schools, through social media, through uh, kind of entertainment in the culture at large to sexualize young children. And and again, this is it, it's so connected with everything that has happened over the past 50 years, 50, 60 years, but uh, we're not, not in a healthy place, at least in terms of creating a culture that, that cherishes life, all life, and uh, tries to, to create an environment where children will thrive in the midst of a family that, that has a purpose and is oriented towards God. I mean, that's, uh, we're really struggling there as a culture.
0: Well, you know, and I, I watched one of your videos and, and I, you know, I, re, re, I can have you re-relate the story. But it reminded me of you talked about in the 90s in Houston about this gender mm-hmm. ideology and what their plan was. But it reminded me of, you know, the feminist movement. Right. They were going to attack mm-hmm. the patriarchy. All these things were going to take place because. They were going to change things because it becomes all about you know me myself and I are my three favorite people. But maybe you can talk about <laughs> what in Houston in terms of what was said then and what we're experiencing now.
1: Sure. Well, you know the uh, I, I do a lot of work on the transgender issue and, and gender ideology, as Pope Francis has called it, and, and Pope Benedict before him. And one of the things that we see is that gender ideology is it's really soaked into the culture and has been promoted to our youth it has uh it it comes out of all these threads these uh, strands of previous ideologies from marxism to atheism to uh radical feminism not not opportunity feminism where women just wanted to be able to get a job and education, et cetera, but, but the radical feminism that rejected marriage, sexuality, and, and even sexual difference. And so out of that, we, we arrived at a place in the 90s where uh, it, something called queer theory was beginning to take root in academia. And it was, it at its core, was the idea that there is no truth, there is no human nature. there is no God. there's no objective reality. everything is self defined It's what we desire and what we uh make our world to be and so the uh the transgender movement really was already in existence by then there have over the uh, really since the late nineteen fifties early nineteen sixties there's always been a very small percentage of people who Struggled with or rejected their their given sexual identity as male or female and tried to assert a different social identity. But in the 1960s or 1990s, 1996 to be precise, there was a small group of transsexuals, as they were called back then, who gathered in Houston. And wrote something called the International Bill of Gender Rights. It was a very grandiose title for a a, a small group of sort of fringy um, people or activists and and got zero attention. why? Because the culture had not not embraced the underlying principles yet, but what that that documented was it said every person has the right to self-define an identity to modify their body however they want to express this inner identity to have sex in whatever way they want with however many people and with the only conditions being legal consent and marriage is just a, a relationship for adult benefit and children should be sort of freely acquired if you will by anyone, regardless of getting rid of the idea that there's importance to sexual difference in mothers and fathers in the natural family. So, as I said, nothing happened from this 1996 document, but it shows that the ideology was was very much, and the goals of the ideology was very much um, in place. And and what happened over the the next. Know, 20, almost 30 years is that this ideology has swept through not just our culture, but the globe and has become embedded in our cultural institutions so that those very same beliefs or claims that were being set out by those activists in 1996 are represented now in UN documents. We see the same claims being pushed by the Biden administration in what how it's trying to change the rules around uh, Title IX and equal rights for women in education. So ideas have consequences. And unfortunately, as Christianity has declined and as our, our cultural institutions have been taken over by uh, moral relativism and the denial of truth and, and just become very accepting and endorsing of ideologies like gender ideology, we have now a culture where we have an explicitly hostile anthropology, a hostile vision of the person that is being preached to our children as if it were true. So it's hostile to Christian anthropology. And I think that's one of the really important things for people to realize That regardless of the individual who may become confused about their identity or or struggles with dislike for their body or something like that, the ideology as a whole is completely incompatible with Christian anthropology and is doing just serious, serious damage, not only to our institutions and our norms and our laws, but to individuals who get swept up in it. So that's a long answer to a rather short question.
0: Well, but it, it it is you know it's such a, a deep issue, and and the thing you know none of it makes sense obviously at all. It just it all just seems surreal when you look at it. But then when you look mm-hmm. at like big business, you see Disney, you see what's going on with Bud Light now mm-hmm. because of their stupid decisions. You know they are purposely you know championing not having children in the world, right? I mean they're they're mm-hmm. championing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Puberty blocking drugs and, you know, castrating Mm -hmm. our children, child abuse. And you would think if you're a big business, you want consumers, but they're doing everything they can to (laughs) limit consumers in the world. I mean, you know, you go to college and study economics, it would your mind would explode when you hear what they're doing and what it would end up doing to their business down the road. It seems like they don't even care, do they?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things is if you are as an individual or as sort of a corporate mentality, you don't believe in an afterlife. It's all about the here and now. It's what brings you profits now. And you're not worried about the future, the future of the world, the future of of your own children or grandchildren, because it's, it's very individualistic and invested in the here and now. And what's happened to the corporations is interesting because about Twenty Almost 25 years ago, one of the major LGBT lobby groups, the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, um, had a a strategic effort that they kicked off. And what it was was they decided that they were going to benchmark all of the Fortune 500 companies on whether or not they were being discriminatory on the basis of LGBTQ uh, on and on and declared identities. And so... They, they set these criteria that they then pronounce to companies, you have to follow the, these, uh, these standards, or it shows that you're bigoted, you are discriminatory, you are not a good place to work. And over the past 25 years, we've seen two things. The companies have gotten on board. They're endorsing the ideology That's being promoted by by these activists and the activists get the benefit then of having corporations really bring that that messaging to the general public and to the culture through the corporate world, not just from the the small corner of, of activism, but they get it mainstreamed. And the way they were successful in doing that was by um, measuring these companies according to these very ideological criteria and then declaring the companies either uh, being very equality-focused, basically giving them a gold star, or calling them bigots. And so it, it really was the carrot and the stick. And then at the same time, they started ratcheting up what they were demanding of the corporations. So in the beginning, it was all about whether you as a corporation were providing Benefits to same sex couples. And now, in order to be listed as a great place to work by the uh, Human Rights Campaign Foundation, you have to cover transgender body modifications. you have to have trainings for your your people on all of the transgender stuff. You have to make sure that your philanthropy dollars are supporting this ideology. So it's really been a very damaging but very effective strategy to push this ideology through the culture. Not by activists waving flags, but by activists pressuring the companies who then become sort of the social change agents because they are afraid. They're afraid of the lobbyists and they don't want to be called bigots. And they see a profit motive. They see, OK, there's a market, rainbow market, and, uh, and they're making money off of it.
0: Well, it's not working so well for Bud Light. All you have to do is look at the highlights, right? <laughs> you got the I right. mean, even Disney stock, right, has has taken a beating. But it's almost like they are so afraid, and that, and I think that's that's really what we see, right? This this gender ideology, this whole movement that started, you know, decades ago. Mm-hmm. It really is a, a, an ideology of bullying and intolerance, mm-hmm. right? They don't. Unless you subscribe and come up with something even crazier than what they believe, then you're going to get run over. So it has nothing to do with the discussion. You really can't even have a debate because they're such fanatics. All you have to do is look on the news. It's about canceling people and doing all these things. There really isn't. And it's almost like people don't realize they can't get far enough ahead of this train because the train is eventually going to run you over.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I I think, you know, it was good to see the general public reacting so strongly to the Bud Light issue. But uh, I'll tell you, I mean, almost all of the cosmetic companies have used males who are presenting as transgender, quote, women, as Um, You know, the faces of their advertising campaigns are featured on magazines or in in print ads. Same thing with women's sanitary products, women's athletic products. I mean, you name it. It is it is all over. So while it's great to see that for Bud Light, there was serious pushback, this is throughout corporate culture and and. There isn't this, the pushback that we should see, but maybe people will be emboldened realizing, hey, we don't have to put up with this. This really is offensive. So, you know, uh, we don't have to put up with this. We have a choice about what kind, of, what kind of beer to drink, what kind of makeup to use and what hotels to stay in, what, what running shoes to buy. And we need to start living by our principles.
0: Well, and it really, and I think, you know, you touched on something else, right? This is also an assault on women, right? Women's sports, mm-hmm. at some point, the way they're going will will be non-existent because no woman will have a record. Everything will be taken over by a guy. You know, what's going on in women's prisons, what's going on in girls' mm-hmm. locker rooms, mm-hmm. what's going on in bathrooms. This really is an assault on the family, on the patriarchy, on women, on children. I mean, in the end, everybody's under assault and it's like nobody gets it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, we are seeing more women speak up. I think women, unfortunately, tend to be um, when you look at the surveys and public opinion polls, women tend to be more accepting of all of this kind of stuff in general, because I think a lot of women lead with their hearts, but it becomes a, a misplaced compassion. And and they have to stop and step back and say, is this a good thing? Because what we're seeing, for example, in the athletic sphere, um, I I was in high school when Title IX was passed, and and very active in sports, and and then in in college, I remember what it was like when schools did not have equal sports opportunities for girls. I, I ran on on boys cross country teams and you know swim teams and things like that. Because there weren't those opportunities. So Title IX was a tremendous benefit because it said to the institution, hey, make room, you know, make sure you're giving girls the, the opportunity to compete among themselves because we know there's a biological difference. So it was a tremendous advance. And now we're just taking that away from from women. And the same thing with women's safety. You know the fact that that um, we're allowing males to come just to say, "Hey, I'm a woman," and or I'm a girl, and go into a girls' locker room and sit there. That was one of the things that Riley Riley Gaines, the swimmer from uh, Kentucky, has has talked about. That nobody asked whether they were okay with having a six foot four male sitting in their locker room while they're undressing. It was just. They they granted him this supposed right to be there simply because he declared himself a woman. So this is very regressive, rolling back women's privacy rights, safety um, opportunities in athletics, in academics, etc. And it's I, unless we continue to push back really hard, this is not going to go away. It's not like... Um, it, it's somehow going to die out. We really have to be very intentional about saying, no, <laughs> there is a clear difference. Males and females are different from the moment of conception. And you can't change sex, no matter how you feel, no matter what you desire. You just can't change the sex of a, of a person. And so if you can't change sex, what is this all about? It's about pretending that my desires or my feelings Determine reality and give me a power to require everyone else to go along with that. And that should be just a bridge too far for anyone in our culture to see that kind of coercion, but also just the denial of reality.
0: Well, because in the end, right, that creates nothing but anarchy. Everybody's own mind determines their own reality, that relativism. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. you could connect- It'll change every second, right? You, you'll you never get a grasp right. on anything because it'll keep, I will say evolving, but it's really devolved mm-hmm. uh, into mm-hmm. more ludicrous things. And the other thing is, you know, when you see these Dylan Mulvaney or you see these drag queens, right? Mm-hmm. They're actually mocking women, right? It's this caricature mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they're living out. They're not pretending to be women because women don't act like they're acting. It, it's It's almost right. like this real fantasy world that I can't wake up from this dream.
1: Right, right. And, and it is. It's, um, you know, the drag culture has always been a, a subversion of normality and a mocking of women and, and uh, in, in very sort of hateful and evil ways at the same time that they're sort of presenting a hypersexualized version of womanhood, which is, is not true either. But but again, I look at the culture and we see all sorts of people you wouldn't expect just sort of stepping back and saying, Oh, drag, drag culture okay. It's, it's meant to be funny or entertaining. We don't say that about blackface and minstrel shows and, you know, all those things where you have parodies of race. Why are we allowing parodies of womanhood? Why is that okay? And, you know, we've, anyway, and, and certainly why would you ever expose something that has an inherently sexualized message to children. And that is, that should be, again, a bridge too far just for any person who cares about young people and cares about the future of our country.
0: Well, and I think, you know, that's why I appreciate all your talks and like people can go on, you know, YouTube and follow you. And, and before we end, I'll, I'll let you get, you know, have let people mm-hmm. know how they can follow you. It really is important to see all that's happening and, and just take a minute and figure out holy cow, how did we get here? But I'd really like those last couple of minutes for what can they do, right? How can they follow what mm-hmm. you're doing? How can they educate themselves and not only understand the topic, but have the courage to go out and speak the truth and not be bullied.
1: So if you go to our website, personandidentity.com, personandidentity.com, we have resources for parents, for schools, for parishes, toolkits people can download. There are also, there's a link to be able to watch the EWTN series that we did. It's a five part series, uh, 25 minutes each, just really unpacking what this whole transgender movement is about, what Catholics need to know. Uh, There's videos, there's print articles, there's a ton of resources. So that's the first thing. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We pull in a lot of good stuff from other people, but it's personandidentity.com. So educate yourself. Second, Speak up. Be bold. Reinforce the truth. We have to be willing to say some things are true, and here's the truth. God made us male or female. We receive our sexual identity. We can't change it. And we need to celebrate and embrace that sexual difference and to see it as a good rather than something to be changed according to desire. So speak up. Know the truth. Don't be afraid to share the truth. Be convinced the church's teaching is hundred you know, percent on target here and uh, we need to do our part.
0: Well, the church's teaching is right online and we got to be careful because we do have some within the church who like to pervert it as well. So just because somebody says something or we hear it, right? We have to, we have to measure it against the teachings in the, of the church of Christ mm-hmm. and, and scripture. So let's just because the father James Martin goes out and says wacky things, You know, we need to be able to call out anybody who's who's really leading people astray and and buying into this false compassion that you're talking about. So I think it is really important. I appreciate all that that you've been doing. And so I I encourage people to not only look up your stuff, but, you know, reminds me, you talked about the transgender movement. You know, it's been going back for decades. We had Walt Heyer on here maybe three or four Mm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, the one line that always struck out to me was, I wish somebody would have told me the truth. I don't know that I would have mm-hmm, believed mm-hmm. But no one, yeah. no doctor, no psychiatrist, no friend, nobody told him the truth. And we yeah. have to be truth tellers, don't we?
1: Absolutely. We hear the same refrain from these young people who are detransitioners. They transitioned, attempted to live Rejecting their, op- their sex and attempting to live as the opposite sex, and they finally kind of come to their senses or, or are so broken, they realize this was a, a mistake. And their question is, why didn't anyone ask me why I felt so horrible about my body or my identity? Why didn't someone help me heal instead of just sending me, fast-tracking me down a path that would only lead towards serious harm? So we have to have that boldness speak the truth love people be unfailingly kind because there's so many people who are wounded and suffering they need to know they're loved they matter but there is a better way they don't have to go down this path that is being promoted by the culture that the truth is is uh, you know 100% aligned with what's good and so if you if you want what's truly good you have to discover and pursue the truth and try to live in accord with that
0: Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.